the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's moral laws are based on his unchanging character, and they never end. That's the point of the Ten Commandments. That's where we're studying this. As I told you in the first message, the, the Ten Commandments are unchanging. They, they are never to be obsolete. They are never outdated because they are based on God's character. So regardless of what dispensation you are in, whether you're in the church age or uh, Old Testament age of Israel, it doesn't matter. I went to two very different Christian colleges. The second one had extremely strict rules about what we could and could not do on Sunday. Those restrictions annoyed me because I could find no scriptural basis for them, and no one was ever able to show me the basis either. That was my introduction to the fact that the fourth commandment is controversial. There is no commandment which produces more disagreement among Christians than the fourth commandment, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. What is its purpose, and how should we observe it? In fact, should we observe it? Pastor Steve Kreloff is taking us through the Ten Commandments, and today on Verse by Verse, he will begin a three-part message dealing with those questions and more. If you can follow in your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. And here is Pastor Steve. Shortly before my 13th birthday, my parents began making arrangements for the celebration of my bar mitzvah, which, as I've told you in the past, a bar mitzvah is a time when a Jewish boy is officially recognized as a man. It's not found in Scripture, but that is the tradition. At a bar mitzvah, it is customary, this is the way it is normally handled, for a family to have a special religious ceremony in a synagogue on a Saturday morning. And then that evening, Saturday night, they hold a social party, much like a wedding reception that we would have, only it's a bar mitzvah reception held at a nice place and all that. Now, as one who had, who had really attended many of my friends' bar mitzvahs, I assume that mine would take place on a Saturday, just like every other normal Jewish boy I had ever known. But to my surprise, my parents decided that instead of having my bar mitzvah on a Saturday, they would have it on a Monday, not a Saturday. Why did they choose Monday? Because my dad's parents, who were Orthodox religious Jews, would not be able to attend my bar mitzvah if it was held on a Saturday. And why is that? Because a Saturday bar mitzvah would require them to ride, not drive, they didn't drive, but they would have to ride in a car, which they considered to be work. And working on Saturday was forbidden in the Bible. And the biblical law that they were so concerned about not breaking was the fourth of the Ten Commandments, which is a call to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. In order for us to see that, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Now, we've been studying each of the Ten Commandments, and we have arrived now at the fourth 
commandments, which is about the Sabbath day. And unlike some of the other commandments, this, this commandment is spread out over several verses as explanation is given. Verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, but the seventh day rather, is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, you'll notice as you read this commandment that there's nothing mentioned in here about riding in a car, is there? Nothing mentioned here about driving in a car. Unless some of you think that what my parents did was um, was strictly Jewish legalistic nonsense that we want nothing to do with, I remind you that there are many Christians today who take Sunday activities and put it in the same mental framework as my grandparents did. There are certain activities that Christians today feel like they could never be involved in, and yet those activities are not specifically mentioned in this commandment. Let me give you some examples. Some examples would be attending or even watching sporting events on television on a Sunday or going to them, Uh, running a marathon race on a Sunday. Uh, I know of people who, based on the Sabbath law, consider it a sin to read the newspaper on Sunday. When Michelle and I were students at the Moody Bible Institute, we were not allowed to do our laundry on Sundays. The feelings about this run very deep with some people. They run so deep that there have been individuals who have been willing to pay a very high price for their convictions about certain Sabbath practices. For example, you might recall from the movie Chariots of Fire, the true story of Eric Lytle, who as a great runner representing the United Kingdom in the Olympic Games, refused to compete on Sunday because he felt that by doing so, he would violate the Sabbath commandment. And there, and no amount of pressure, if you recall the movie, no amount of pressure would change his mind. They even brought in the King of England to try to persuade, persuade this man to run on Sunday, but he refused. Now, not as famous as that Olympic story, but closer to home in our country is the story of a, um, a man by the name of Hugh Wiley who was put out of the membership of his Presbyterian church in Pennsylvania in the year 1808 because his job required him to open the post office and to deliver mail on Sundays. Now, this morning, as we continue in our study of the Ten Commandments, we want to tackle this oftentimes emotional issue of of what we can and what we cannot do on Sundays because in our studies, we've said, we've come to this Important law, the Sabbath law, the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. What does that mean? Well, right at the start, I want you to understand that of all the commandments, this is the most controversial of any. This is the most difficult to interpret. This is the most difficult to apply. This is a tough one. And the reason it's so controversial is because there are so many opinions held as to how exactly the fourth commandment is to be interpreted and applied. Now, the commandment itself, 
the commandment itself is really not that tough to, to understand. That in and of itself isn't that hard to understand. One day out of seven is to be set aside as a special day of rest, as a holy day unto the Lord. And God even identifies which day this is. It's not Sunday, it's Saturday. That's the last day of the week, Saturday, called the Sabbath. Sabbath, by the way, is not synonymous with Saturday. Sabbath literally means rest or to cease or desist. The reason we're given for resting on the last day of the week is because that is the day we're told that during the creation week, God rested from his work of creating. Now, that's the basic, the basic issue presented to us. That's the basic understanding and meaning of the fourth commandment. Set the Sabbath aside, set Saturday aside as the one day in the week to cease from your labors. However, though the basic meaning of this commandment is rather clear, I don't think anybody would debate it, the controversies arise over how this, this Sabbath law applies to us today. What do we do with this? What's the correct application? And at the heart of the controversy, and note this, at the heart of the controversy of how this law should be applied is the question of whether the Sabbath law is ceremonial or moral in nature. Let me explain the problem. Because it is a problem that needs to be solved. And you're going to have to think with me on this one. If it is only ceremonial in nature, meaning it's only a ritualistic kind of thing, only symbolic, if that's all it is, then we are not obligated to obey it. Just as we are not obligated to obey the other ceremonial laws, which we talked about at the very first message. All those ceremonial laws were fulfilled in Christ, specifically in his death, such as Old Testament dietary laws. Uh, Jewish sacrifices, or animal sacrifices, Jewish feasts, the priesthood, all all that kind of stuff. Jesus completely fulfilled all of the ceremonial laws since they pointed to him. They were shadows. They were pictures pointing to him. He fulfilled it. So if this law is only ceremonial, then we can cast it aside. But if it's only moral, if it's purely moral in nature, then we are obligated to obey it because God's moral laws are based on his unchanging character and they never end. That's the point of the Ten Commandments. That's where we're studying this. As I told you in the first message, the, the Ten Commandments are unchanging. They, they are never to be obsolete. They are never outdated because they are based on God's character. So regardless of what dispensation you are in, whether you're in the church age or uh, Old Testament age of Israel, it doesn't matter. So if this commandment is moral and purely moral, then we've got to obey it. So how one views the fourth commandment, whether ceremonial or moral, determines how it's applied to our lives. Let me take you a little bit deeper and and show you the practical outworkings of this. If it is purely moral, in the pure moral view of this law, if you held to that, that it's only moral, it's not ceremonial at all, it's only moral, then that would lead you to conclude that obedience to this fourth commandment requires us to gather together to worship with God's people on Saturday, not Sunday. If it's purely moral, then nothing has changed. It is exactly the way God gave it, and therefore we shouldn't be meeting on Sundays. We ought to be meeting on Saturdays, and that's exactly what the Seventh-day Adventists do, and that's what they contend in their belief system. I mean, they have other things too, in that, but that's what they do. In fact, not just them, there is a small group of Seventh-day Baptists who hold to Sabbath worship on Saturdays as well. 
So that's, that's one view. And if you hold to a strictly moral view, then you have to conclude that we ought to meet on Saturdays. On the other end of the spectrum is a school of thought that believes that the Sabbath law is completely and only ceremonial, not moral at all. And therefore, they would say it is irrelevant to us. It doesn't matter. It's not held in effect today. It's over. And those who hold to this view that the Sabbath law, uh, or hold to this view, would say that the Sabbath law is the only law found in the Ten Commandments that are not, that is not reiterated in the New Testament. And they would say it's not reiterated because it's not there. It's irrelevant. God put it aside. And that is a view held by many uh, dispensationalists. Now, between these two extremes of strict adherence of the Saturday worship and no application at all of the fourth Sabbath, uh, the fourth commandment, there is a wide range of views about how one deals with the, with the fourth commandment, the Sabbath law. Some believers want to impose all sorts of Sabbath restrictions concerning work and recreational activities, and they do this by moving the Sabbath to Sunday. They transfer the Sabbath to Sunday. They believe that up until the time of Christ, Saturday was the day the believers were required to keep as holy, but with the resurrection of Christ, which took place on Sunday, God changed that special day from the last day of the week, Saturday, to the first day of the week, Sunday. That was the view held by the English Puritans, which was the English branch a little bit later on of the Reformation. The original Reformers did not hold to that, but the English Puritans, for the most part, did. And based on this belief of transferring the Sabbath law to Sunday, they developed a highly refined system of what was acceptable and unacceptable to do on Sundays. So from their perspective, the Sabbath law, they would have said, is both an abiding moral law as well as a ceremonial law. And, and really, those, who, those of us today who feel obligated to refrain from certain activities on Sunday that we mentioned earlier agree. Whether you recognize it or not, you're agreeing with the Puritans on transferring the Sabbath law to Sunday. That, that was their, uh, their viewpoint. But then, you know what? There are others who come along and say uh, that the New Testament teaches that no one day is considered more holy than another. And they would support their argument with Romans chapter 14, verse 5, in which Paul said this, one person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Paul did not say that Sunday or Saturday was the day of worship. Paul said, just be convinced in your own mind. It's a conscience issue. So with all the various opinions held about the Sabbath and held by, quite frankly, some, some very good people, how can we know what the right interpretation is? How, how do we come along? Do we have an arrogant uh, attitude that, well, we can figure this out? Well, we don't want to have an arrogant attitude, but the way to figure this out to, the way to sort through the various views is to examine what the Bible actually says and not what we assume it says. What does the Bible say on this? Not what someone has taught us, not what our parents might have said is the acceptable practice, or, or if you went to a Christian college or a Bible college that they said what you can or cannot do on, on Sundays. What does the Bible say? And the best way to arrive at the correct interpretation of the Sabbath laws to identify, are there any statements in Scripture in which God tells us what his purpose, in, purpose is in the Sabbath? 
That's the way you figure this out. Are there purposes? Are there reasons given for giving us this law? If you understand the various purposes of the Sabbath, then you'll understand not only the right interpretation, but you'll understand how to apply it in your life. Now, I I believe as we look through the scriptures, there are basically three purposes revealed in the Bible as to why God instituted the Sabbath law. And if you're taking notes, we're going to begin by looking at the first purpose. Understand the divine purposes and you'll understand what what it's all about. First of all, the first purpose of the Sabbath is that it provides a day of physical rest. I once again read to you Exodus chapter 20, beginning verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. At the heart of this law is the command to take a break and physically rest from the normal labors of the week. In fact, as I told you, the word Sabbath, it actually comes from a Hebrew word, Shabbat, which means to cease to rest, to desist. That's what the Sabbath day is for. It is for resting from your normal employment routine labors. That's what it is. God ordained that one day out of seven, everybody, everybody, with no exceptions, should rest and cease from their routine weekly labors. That's why God mentions various individuals in this list in verse in verse 10, he mentions children's, children and servants and sojourners would be those who, um, who were traveling through staying with you. He mentions children and he even mentions animals there to get a day off too. Now, it's very interesting that in this list of persons mentioned, uh, there's no mention here of a wife. No mention of a wife ceasing from her daily work. So, does this mean that a wife is not to have any time off, that there's no break from any domestic activity. No, because just a few chapters later, in Exodus 35, God adds to it. God adds to this list of Sabbath restrictions. Notice, says in Exodus 35, verse 1, Then Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days' work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest of the Lord. Whoever does not work, whoever does any work, rather, on on this day shall be put to death. You shall not, and then he adds this, you shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Day. He specifies here that no fires were to be in the home, meaning that no cooking was to be done. That's what a wife would normally do. She'd kindle a fire and, and cook with it. So this means that a wife was not to do her routine domestic work on the Sabbath either. In fact, even today, Orthodox Jews will not light a fire on the Sabbath. They will hire a Gentile to do this. It's true. So if you're looking for any extra employment, you don't mind working... On a Friday night, Saturday, Friday night starts the Sabbath, and you can get a job doing that. Now, the main principle then behind the Sabbath law of rest was that God, out of a, now watch this, out of a heart of compassion, out of mercy, gave everybody 
a day off during the week, one day off a week. That is the point of this law. No one is supposed to work 24-7. No one. Not even beasts of burden. Give them time to rest. Your servants, your slaves, give them time to rest. The Jewish people coming out of Egypt had no time to rest. They were slaves. And God says, now that you are free men, remember to be merciful to your your slaves. In other words, the Sabbath day was set aside for man's benefit in order to refresh him physically so that he wouldn't burn out from his unceasing labors. I mean, this is what Jesus meant when he said in the New Testament that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not supposed to be a burden to him. It's supposed to lift the burden off of him. Those who are workaholics, who never take any time off during the week, They have violated the spirit of this law, the very intent of this law. They have sinned against God in their quest to make more money or satisfy satisfy a need to feel significant by working seven days a week or, or maybe you feel like you can't get away, the business needs you, you have to pay full attention every day of the week. Not only, not only have you sinned against God, but you have hurt yourself physically, because nobody can put themselves under that strain and and pressure all the time without breaking down somewhere. And in addition to that, they have damaged their marriage because they don't have time to build a relationship with their spouse. There, There are many reasons. It's just wrong to work seven days a week. You see, everybody, Everybody needs a day off to recharge their batteries. That's why I always insist with with each member of our pastoral staff that they take one day off a week. They need to be away from the office. They need to be away from the ministry issues. They don't need to be here. And ordinarily, normally what happens is when we take on a new staff member, uh, this person will say to me when I say you need to take a day off, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, and they're very enthused. And I'll say, let me tell you, in a few months, you'll not want to see this place. You'll want to be away. Start now. That, that's something that, that we have to do. And I would encourage you to respect that with our pastoral staff and, and help us on that. And it's a good thing he's not, he's not here because I'm going to mention Jack in this regard. Jack, do you realize that Jack, and his Sabbath day of rest is Monday. That would be his day off. Um, let me appeal to you. Don't call Jack on Monday. Don't call him at home. There are times Jack will come in and on Tuesday I'll say, well, how was your day off? Did you get a good day off? I'll say, Steve, I got three, four phone calls at home. Now, call him if it's a life and death issue on Mondays. But otherwise, don't do that. Don't do that. This man needs, as we all do, a day off. Physically, a day off. Emotionally, mentally. We don't want him to think about anything concerning the ministry on Mondays. So I, I would appreciate if you would just honor that. And uh, everybody needs one day off a week. You see, God designed us that way. God designed us that we need to do that. There seems to be built into man's makeup an intrinsic need to rest one day out of a seven-day period. Kent Hughes, in his book on the Ten Commandments, brings this out when he states this. He writes, Physically, the created order is such that humankind needs a rest in the pattern of the seven-day cycle. This has been proven repeatedly in history. During the French Revolution, radicals abolished Sunday, but they found that the health of the nation suffered, and they had to reinstate it. The Russian communists, on the theory that they had created a new man, instituted a much ballyhooed 10-day week. But despite its super workers, the new order 
Uh, the new social order miserably failed. God's rhythm is best for men and women because God created them. And I understand the Egyptians had a nine-day week, but it works out with a seven-day week and then one day off during that time. That's the first reason for the Sabbath. God was and is interested in our physical well-being. Every commandment has at least one purpose. We will look at another reason for the Sabbath on the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. You can learn more about us, download audio files, and find out how to contribute to Verse by Verse Ministries by visiting our website, versebyverseradio.org. We have CDs and cassette tapes with Pastor Steve's messages available for order by telephone. To get the entire message that Pastor Steve began today, give us a call at 727-239-0306. If you call outside of our normal business hours, leave a message with your name and a daytime phone number, and we will call you back. This is Peter Silseth for Pastor Steve Kreloff, and we hope to see you next time on Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.